How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the Training Camp Podcast. On the slate for today, we'll be talking Steelers and Big Ben. We'll be talking about the possible rumors of Trevor Lawrence and his decision to whether stay in college or go to the NFL. And then we also have my tier rankings for uh, the NFL. I don't really like to do standings and power rankings because those are kind of all based on record, so I just do tiers. And then we, all, of course, have our wallet winners of this week. So if you guys are new, we not only do we do a video version, but we also are on uh, Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts. So there'll always be a link to those in the description. And if you guys are only interested in one certain segment of the show, there's always in our little timeline down below, there are little dividers. So you can go to every, uh, you can go to whichever part of the show you want to watch. If you want to go to Wall Winners, you can fast forward to that. It'll tell you when it starts. If you want to see what I have to say about the Trevor Lawrence situation, you guys can fast forward to that. But the first thing we're going to be talking about today. Is, <laughs> I have been seeing this so much over the past week since the Steelers game. And this isn't just because I'm a Steelers fan. This is just something that I've been seeing a lot of. And that is everyone is saying that what the one thing that is holding Pittsburgh back is Big Ben. And I I don't I don't understand. Um like people are saying this as if they've forgotten that the Steelers were eight and eight last year without a quarterback. And Pittsburgh is six. Pittsburgh almost is two wins away from getting the exact same amount of wins that they did last season. And people are acting like Big Ben is the issue with the Steelers. You cannot look me in the eyes and tell me that if Mason Rudolph or Duck Hodges were in at quarterback for the Steelers, that this team would be six and zero. It would not surprise me if this team was even five hundred. Like, yeah, Ben has not been throwing the ball deep downfield, deep balls like he used to because he's getting smarter with the ball. And one of the reasons everyone is criticizing Ben is because he had a three-interception game against Tennessee. But I can tell that a lot of these criticisms are people just looking at the stats of the game. They didn't actually watch the game. If you watch the game, the first interception comes. It's, what, 14 seconds left in the first half. They are in field goal range, but then there's a false start that pushes them out of field goal range. So Ben just heaves up a last-ditch effort to try and get into the end zone. That's not really an interception, honestly. I mean, it shows up in the statistics, but that's it's not like it cost them the possession and the Tennessee did something with the ball. They literally went into halftime after that. So that's that's not a big interception. The second interception he had was a tipped pass on a drive where Pittsburgh was kind of shifting the momentum back to them. It was a tipped pass that happened to just fall the wrong way. Tennessee got it. Again, that's not Ben making a bad decision. The third one, I will say, was a bad throw. Ben forced it into, I think it was triple coverage. But again, that second tip, that, that second interception where the ball was tipped, that doesn't happen. Pittsburgh has the momentum enough where they were shifting the tide. They most likely go down and score, and Ben doesn't throw that third interception because they don't need to force the ball into the end zone. So if we look at this with hindsight, in all reality, Ben has one interception on this game. We will just count that one interception, and we will say that the second interception turns into a touchdown. Okay, we will keep that. If that happens, Ben leaves the game with a 6-0 record because Tennessee likely doesn't pull as close as they pulled it. They leave with a 6-0 record with 1,446 yards, 14 touchdowns, two interceptions, and a 70% completion percentage. If that happens, people are not even talking about Ben Roethlisberger. One of the biggest things about the weekend was uh, Ben had this amazing play where he He's under pressure. He just switches the ball up, tosses it with like one of the junkiest throws you'll ever see. And you know what? Found Eric Ebron open and they got rather than a, a five to 10 yard sack, they got, a, I think it was a seven or eight yard gain. 
And one of my favorite things seeing on social media was if that was Patrick Mahomes, and I love Mahomes, if that was Mahomes, people would have lost their shit. But since it was no Ben Roethlisberger, no one cared. That was literally what all the tweets were about. And I agree 100%. That play was like, that was the defining factor to show that Ben Roethlisberger is an elite quarterback. He's a Hall of Fame level quarterback, and he's back. Like, I genuinely think Ben is back for this season. I think he's in some of the best shape he's ever been in. So you look at that. I mean, if Ben doesn't throw that one-tipped interception, it doesn't cause the third interception to happen. He leaves that game with one interception, garbage time interception. No one even bats an eye. He has two interceptions through the year in six games. That is one of the best ratios he's ever had. I mean, 1446 yards, 14 touchdowns, two interceptions, 70% completion percentage. That is few interceptions than MVP frontrunner Russell Wilson. That is a better completion percentage than both Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. Now, I'm not I'm not saying that Ben deserves MVP credit. I think I think Russell Wilson 100% deserves all the praise he's getting. But what I'm saying is that Ben Roethlisberger is getting so much disrespect and I don't understand it. Like again, if people watch the game, Ben looked fine. Yeah, he didn't have 400 yards. He didn't have 350 yards like old Ben. That's because they're running the ball. And this is something that we've been talking about with like Dallas and Cleveland. If you run the ball effectively, it opens up the pass game. And that is something that Pittsburgh has done well when they had Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon's production was able to open up the pass game. Even two seasons ago when Le'Veon, or two seasons ago when Le'Veon was sitting out and James Conner filled in, James Conner had a phenomenal season and Ben had a great season too because with the success of the run game, Ben was able to open up the pass game. So I, I don't understand why people are blaming this on Ben. I mean, they're not even blaming it. They're just saying that, you know, the one thing holding Pittsburgh back is Ben. Really, because um, did, did Ben give up uh, 17 unanswered points to Tennessee? Or did he let the Eagles score two unanswered touchdowns? No, that is not Ben's fault. That is not Ben's fault at all. And you can make the argument that he should have led the team down. But if you've met the offensive coordinator for the Pittsburgh Steelers, he sometimes doesn't make the greatest calls. And if you look at Ben in the two-minute drill, whether it's in the end of the second half, the end of the fourth, uh, the end of the second quarter, the end of the fourth quarter, Ben is mostly a play caller there, and he is almost perfectly efficient whenever he's he's making the play calls because he can know how to read a defense. He's understanding you know what elements he needs to substitute in that aren't working or or substitute in that will work. So. You can't put that on Ben. If you want, if you want to say that there's one issue with Pittsburgh, you can make a case that it's the secondary, and you can't. It's not even just a case. It's a pretty strong case. I mean, honestly, the fact that they allowed 29 points to Philadelphia and they allowed a 27 to seven lead diminish into a 24 to 27 inch out. Lucky that uh, Goskowski missed the field goal to tie up the game. They are lucky. The pass rush has been phenomenal. They were able to hold Derrick Henry uh, in the last game. I know he still finished like 70 yards, but I mean, he was coming off of a game with like, what, 250 total yards. So yeah, they have one of the best pass rushes in the league. But if you're getting torched, I mean, they have two stellar cornerbacks and Steven Nelson and Joe Hayden, and they have a great safety in Minka Fitzpatrick, but they have not been playing well this year at all. Um, not at all. I mean, obviously Minka had the pick six uh, two weeks ago, but I don't know. They, they, their secondary does not look as strong as last season. So if you want to get, if you want to say Pittsburgh has one possible struggle in their team, it's their secondary. I mean, they allowed a 75-yard touchdown to AJ Brown off of just a, basically a quick slant. Like that's what's killing Pittsburgh are those underneath routes. They're not getting burned deep. Although now that I'm saying this, that's probably going to happen this week against Baltimore. But that's beside the point. Honestly, if Ben 
if Ben does not throw that second interception that gets tipped, the third one doesn't happen. He leaves there 6-0 with a 14-2 touchdown to pat to interception ratio. And people are honestly praising Ben as, oh, can you believe Ben Roethlisberger? He's been phenomenal. He's been, you know, great and this and this and this and that. But since it was three interceptions that show up on the statistics chart, he, you know, he gets the blunt of all the criticism for the team. Um, no one's talking about the secondary, you know, allowing all those unanswered points. But... Yeah, honestly, I think people people are considering B Pittsburgh to be one of the best teams in the NFL right now, and they're not kind of looking at why Big Ben is the reason for that. I mean, obviously, last season, Pittsburgh was almost able to make the playoffs with no quarterbacks. So that shows how great of a coach Mike Tomlin is. But with Ben coming back, the fact that they're 6-0, you have to put into account that Ben coming back is one of the reasons they are considered one of the best teams in the NFL. Speaking of one of the best teams in the NFL, let's let's talk about one of the worst, or not one of the worst team in the NFL, the New York Jets. So it's no surprise that the Jets are most likely going to end up with the number one overall pick. Um, they're 0-7 right now. They have to play the Chiefs. They're like 19-point underdogs, <laughs> which I think is it started off at 22.5 points about a week ago, and that's the fifth largest spread of all time. So yeah, that's definitely an issue for New York. But one of the biggest things coming out of New York and just the draft itself is freaking college phenom Trevor Lawrence, who unfortunately uh, got diagnosed with COVID-19. So hope you, hope you feel better. Hope you push through it. Can't wait to see you back on the field again. But, you know, there's, this, there's these rumors going around that Trevor Lawrence is going to either pull an Eli and just refuse to be drafted or to go to the Jets if they draft him. Or he's just going to stay at Clemson for one more year. That way he, he, he reassures himself or he ensures himself that uh, he doesn't have to go to New York. And I don't think Trevor Lawrence will do this, and I honestly don't even think he should do this. There's a lot of people trying to make the case that New York will ruin Trevor Lawrence and, and that um, even great quarterbacks can't overcome the New York Jets. I don't think that that is true with the current situation. Um, I think one of the biggest things that people know about New York is Adam Gase is going to be fired after this season. I mean, it's kind of a surprise he hasn't been fired now. We don't know why he's still there, but... I mean, honestly, maybe they're keeping him so that they can go 0-16 and just lock up that number one overall pick. But they're going to have a new head coach next year. So that alone should make New York much more desirable for Trevor Lawrence to go to. Um, and honestly, going to New York and playing for the Jets could be one of the best things for Trevor Lawrence's image. And this is why. Number one, I mean, he is one of the best quarterback talents we have seen in the last 30 to 50 years. He, he was literally a revolutionary talent. Um, and it's not just because he plays at Clemson. Like, he is doing things. He was he could have been the number one overall pick two drafts ago. Like, that's how good he is. I mean, people were thinking he could have gone into last year's draft. He is a phenomenal quarterback, and he is almost guaranteed success in the NFL just because of how gifted he is at the quarterback position. Number two, the Jets going to the next season have the second most cap space in the NFL right behind Jacksonville, and it's not even by a lot. Second most cap space. I mean, obviously they got uh, the Jamal the Jamal Adams issue off their not issue, but they got him out of their uh, out of their locker room who wanted a lot of money. They got Le'Veon's contract out of there. Even though I I don't think the Jamal Adams was a good idea. I think definitely just getting Le'Veon's contract out was fine because you can always find new running backs, and they kind of have with their uh, two uh, their rookie uh, Perrine, who's kind of been filling in okay. I mean, he looks. Like he's a develop, he's he looks like you can develop him into a starting caliber running back. I mean, honestly, you you don't have to pay running backs a lot of money for you to have success in the run game. Um, I mean, look at Mike Davis in Carolina; it's a great example. But yeah, you know, so you you have so much cap, so you can build around Trevor Lawrence. 
Um, Gase is going to be fired, so you're going to have a new head coach. And you have two first-round draft picks in this upcoming draft. So you can take one with Trevor Lawrence, and you still have another one from Seattle that you got in the Jamal Adams trade. And not even that, if you're if you're dead set on taking Trevor Lawrence, they are likely going to just trade Sam Darnold, which you're not going to get a first-round pick for him. If anything, you might get a mid-to-low second or a mid-third. Like, you're not going to get a first for Sam Darnold anymore because he's not guaranteed success. You don't know what you're going to get with Sam Darnold because of what he's shown in New York. Um, but you're still going to get a second or third round pick out of him. So you're, you're just adding more picks to your arsenal. And then you can draft around him too. You're developing players all around uh, Trevor Lawrence while you're developing Trevor Lawrence. And this is a team that you can have for five years that can become successful in three or four. Um, and then speaking of the draft, I will say their GM drafts really well. I mean, if you look, the first draft you took, you took Quinn Williams, which I know people are like, there's there's a talk that he's been a bust, but I mean he is he is under the Jets organization. He is, but he has shown sim- similarly. I think a little bit more than Sam Darnold, but he has shown sparks of how elite, like how great he can play. And he's still only a second year. So I don't understand how people like. There's just there there are these rare cases where certain players are just elite in their first season, and people are just kind of expecting rookie prospects and rookie draft picks to do that within their first two seasons. You have to let these guys. Uh, you have to give them time to progress. I think Quinn Williams will. I think he's gonna be a great centerpiece for their uh, defensive front for the next couple of years so they drafted him other draft picks their offensive tackle that they drafted uh Becton he has been he's been doing a really good job for the most part I mean that, is, that offensive line is filled with issues but I feel like Becton has been doing a great job Denzel Mims their second or third round pick from uh, this most recent draft the wide receiver he's been emerging uh, alongside I mean with Jameson Crowder's injury he's been showing that he can step up I mean honestly he has been stepping up I mean I know you, you kind of have to step up when you're behind every single game so they're going to throw the ball but because of that they're throwing the ball all the time which is going to help his progression which helps develop him and then like I mentioned earlier Perrine I mean honestly he's not an elite level running back but he's developing he's behind total veteran old man Frank Gore who can teach him a lot about the game I think he's their GM has done a really good job drafting but if you really want to have success in the next couple years you need to get a new coach and I think these three candidates are your best bet you have Urban Meyer who's not even a coach right now. He's just an analyst for Fox. So that could be a great pickup because he's not with the team. You don't have to push him away from any team. I mean, you look what he's done with quarterbacks in college. He can do that with Trevor Lawrence and he can establish a brand new system. And you look at these college, these college coaches that have moved in more offensive college coaches that have moved into the NFL. Um, they're having success. The reason a lot of co- college coaches were having, were not having success in previous years because they were defensive minded coaches. The game is moving towards the offense. So if you get an offensive minded coach, It'll work. Other offensive-minded coaches, I th- I think the perfect candidate is Lincoln Meyer. I think that he is the perfect candidate if we're talking about college coaches to come in and work with Trevor Lawrence. And then, of course, you have Ryan Day, who's been kind of like his – he has been growing lately with uh, just like how, how much his worth is within the football community. Um, I think those three are your best options if you want to have success with Trevor Lawrence. Obviously, those aren't the only coaches you can have success with because Trevor Lawrence has the talent. But if you really want to develop and have success with Trevor Lawrence, I think those those quarter those coaches fit the quarterback needs that Trevor Lawrence needs, and they can build a winning team. I mean, they've built winning teams in college. I know college and foot and the NFL are completely different monsters and machines. Just they operate completely differently, but. Like we've seen coaches this year alone make the transition or within the last two years make the transition, maybe take one year and stumble over themselves. I mean, uh, Cliff Kingsbury, he had a rough first season. It wasn't like they were one of the three worst teams in the league, but I mean, he he did okay. And you look at them now, they're five and two. So obviously it's going to take a season or like Matt Rule right now. I mean, I know they lost last night, but I mean, that team was going on a run. So 
honestly, you have to be able to trust these. The game's evolving, and I think it's definitely more college-centric where it's offensively. It, you can have a great defense, but if your offense can't do anything, then you're not going to win games. Um, and I think, because I, I talked about how this can be great for Trevor's image. If, if, if this team, if this Jets team, which I don't think they can win more than two games. So let's say they win two games maximum. They enter next year's draft 2-14. and 14, And then Trevor Lawrence goes in. The GM puts these pieces around him, drafts pieces around him, gets a new head coach. If they win sub-500 games next year, Trevor Lawrence's image is great. Oh, he took this 2-14 and 14 team into, into almost 500. And then, honestly, if he can do that in his first season, I think he can put them above 500 in his second season. And honestly, we don't know what two is going to be yet because, obviously, he has his first start this week. But Buffalo, they looked elite in their first couple games. They're showing cracks. Patriots seem to be in a full rebuild right now. And Miami, if Tua doesn't work out, they're going to have to draft another quarterback. So the Jets, within two seasons, can easily become, like, they can push for this possible uh, AFC East spot. If Buffalo continues to have these issues that they've been having, which I think this week is a really big week for them, if they continue to have these issues... Jets could honestly take this within the first two seasons if they build this team correctly around Trevor Lawrence. Um, and again, if, if you turn this team into a sub-500 or a post-500 team in your first or second year's quarterback, you will be considered... I mean, people are giving Trevor Lawrence these unreal expectations, and it's completely... I feel so bad for him. Like, it's completely unfair. But if he meets these, he will be considered one of the greatest rookie quarterbacks of all time. And you're looking at two quarterbacks this season within Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow, who've been having elite level seasons, and no one was expecting them to do stuff like this. Honestly, we thought they'd struggle more. They've been stepping it up. So I think I think Trevor Lawrence can honestly be considered one of the greatest rookie quarterbacks if they build this team correctly around him. Um, I think another thing, too, is he will revamp New York football. And if there are two cities that the NFL needs to, to have success, that way the NFL feels like it's having success, that is Los Angeles and that is New York. And I know there's two teams in each, but, I mean, the Rams look great. The Chargers have a future. The Giants, we they're slowly getting better. And the Jets are a train wreck. But if the Jets can get up there and all four of those teams can be competitive teams, unlike three of the four have been in the past couple seasons – that makes the NFL great, and that can honestly push this NFL season into another great decade. I mean, we're already looking for an amazing next 10 years of football. If New York and L.A. are two amazing locations for football teams, it'll just go up from there. Um, in the next portion, in the next leg of the podcast, we will be talking about the my uh, NFL tiers within the teams and then our wallet winners, so stick around for that. How's it going, everybody? Welcome back to the Training Camp Podcast. If you guys didn't miss it, in the last leg, we talked about the Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger, kind of conundrum going on within the media and how people are portraying him. And then we also talked about Trevor Lawrence and the Jets for next season. Um, so first thing we're going to talk about this this week is my NFL 2020 team tiers. Um, so I have broken it up into six different tiers. Obviously, we have possible Super Bowl winners, we have contenders. I, I, where did that, hello, bug? Where did you come from? Um, I consider Super Bowl possible winners and contenders two different things. I think contenders are like in the race for their division winners. I think Super Bowls can win their division and possibly win the Super Bowl. Um, so we have Super Bowl winners, contenders. We have playoffs. We have the fringe playoff teams. We have our selling teams. And I'm just, I'm just going to call this ass because that's exactly what these teams basically are. Um, so we're going to start from the bottom and work our way up. Obviously, this is the most obvious thing in the world is the first team under the ass category is the jets. Do I need to explain why they are possible? There's a possibility that they go. Oh, and 16, uh, 
possibly selling their entire team for draft picks right now. So yeah, the Jets are one of the worst teams. Are they're probably one of the worst teams I've I've ever watched. Like since I've been able to watch football. Um, second team. The, I don't think they're as bad as we expect them to be, but their record really shows it. They are slowly getting better, but I have the Giants there. Um, kind of sucks that both NFL, both New York teams are in the ass category, but they honestly, I mean, Daniel Jones is showing that he has growth, but they are not going to win, especially with Saquon being injured. They're going to they're gonna be one of the worst teams in the NFL this season. They're going to be in the top five probably for the draft next uh, for next year. Third team, Oh, I, no, no, we're, we're going to move them to the, the fourth team. Third team, Jacksonville Jaguars. I honestly was a little hopeful for them after they beat the Colts, but I'm starting to realize that was just like one of those divisional games where you kind of just end up dropping them. Um, Gardner Minshew's been playing with a fractured thumb, I guess. Their breakout wide receiver from last year, DJ Chark, has not been showing that he's the same player. James Robinson looks like to be a franchise-level running back, though. He's been showing out so well. I mean, he's, he's one of the like rare bright spots uh their defense hasn't been stellar uh i mean they traded away all their defensive players so that that that's to be expected um so i don't think it's a surprise that they're in the ass quarter category all right the the last team yes the cowboys are in the ass category i don't care what you guys have to say i don't think anyone's going to disagree with me but i don't care like they're allowing the most points like ever basically i think they're on they're on pace to allow the most points in nfl history so yeah they're ass i don't care they have two wins they are they weren't even wins to be completely honest with you. They're it, this team is an own this team is an zero and six team. Like that, that's what they are. So they're ass. Um, selling this was a little difficult. I think we're gonna kind of speed run selling. These are teams that I that we all kind of agree are obvious. The Bengals are definitely a selling team. They're just helped that like they're rebuilding, but they're also selling. They're just trying to get younger pieces so they can build around Joe Burrow. Um, I think the Broncos. They're in a situation where they're for. Their first quarter of the season was lost because the Julak injury, so they might as well just you know get draft picks. Um, the football team, I mean, honestly, they could still win this division, but they're still selling. Uh, another team that could win the NFC East, the, the, the freaking Eagles. They could they could win the division, but they're still selling. They're, they're not going to be one of these top teams. And if they make it to the playoffs, similar to the football team, they're not going to win a game. They're going to get bounced. I mean, honestly, I think. That the NFC East is going to be not between Dallas and Philadelphia. I think between Philadelphia and Washington. I think those are going to be the two teams that are pushing for the NFC East title. Um, the next team are the Houston Texans. You have the Colts and you have the uh, Titans in your division. So you're not going to win the division. You're not going to sink to a playoff spot. Just get pieces around Deshaun Watson. That's the best you can do. Um, I don't know if this we consider controversial, but I have the Patriots there. I mean, obviously, they're definitely selling everything. They... There's been the rumors that Stephon Gilmore, I think, actually, no, I think they said they sent like a memo out to all the NFL teams saying anybody's available. So they're selling everybody. They need a quarterback. They, they need a lot. They need a lot. Um, so they're, yeah, they're definitely selling. This team, uh, they're selling because they're not going to win their division or make a wild card spot. I don't think they're in such a bad situation as Houston, as Houston is, but the Chargers, I think they have, they have found their quarterback for the next 15 years honestly Justin Herbert looks like he's going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the league for the next 15 years um but with the Austin Eckler injury and their injuries on the defensive side they're not really going to I mean they're they're going to be they're going to play competitive football but they're probably going to lose a lot of their games by smaller margins I mean I think I saw a stat that they all almost every single game that they've played this season they were winning at one point so they are competitive but uh they just don't have that ability to finish games so they will likely probably not be in the top 10 but the top 15 of the draft it would not surprise me if they went eight and eight but it also wouldn't surprise me if they went six and ten so they're definitely a selling team they want to get younger pieces around Justin Herbert um and hopefully just get that defense 
healthy. I think this is a team next season that could be very, very dangerous if uh, they make some possible coaching changes. <laughs> um, next team, Minnesota with Chicago, who I'm still not really sure of, and Green Bay. Minnesota is not going to be competitive in the, in the NFC, especially with four teams in the NFC West being competitive. You're not going to get that much out of them. So, I mean, honestly, they probably need a new quarterback because Kirk Cousins is more of a liability than anything else. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, they have Dalvin Cook. They have two great elite level. They have one elite wide receiver and they have one elite potential wide receiver. So I definitely can fit them in there. Another team that is in the NFC North, uh, the Lions. I, I didn't. It's funny. They're three and three, but they do not feel like a three and three football team. So like, I almost put them in fringe playoff, but because of how good the NFC West is right now, I'm not gonna put them in the fringe playoff. Um, just because. I don't think that they can go on that, that win streak and win these games. Matthew Stafford, he's been slow to come back. Uh, I'm sure he'll find his groove. There, DeAndre Swift is looking like he's going to be the running back for the future. Kenny Galladay is great. Marvin Jones is a good number two. TJ Hawkinson's finally getting that development that he needed. So they're going to be a good team in the future, but this season, not so much. I, I mean, honestly, if they went 8-8, eight eight, I'd, I'd, I could kind of see that happening, but there's no way in my mind that they win more than seven games. Um, and then the last team, so we have, so far we've, uh, Cincinnati, Houston, Denver, Patriots, Chargers, Vikings, Lions, football team, Eagles, and then I put uh, Atlanta. I think this is another more obvious team. I know they won last night, but they're not going to win many games, especially in that division. So it's probably time that they draft another quarterback, put him behind Matt Ryan for a year, let him learn. Honestly, there's been rumors that they want to move Julio and maybe even possibly Matt Ryan. So yeah, they're even telling us that they are they are a, a selling slash rebuilding team. So that's that's that tier next tier we got the fringe playoff teams uh i'll do the surprises towards the end i think indianapolis is a fringe playoff team just because they're gonna win games and uh the nfc has a really top heavy uh like the top five teams are really really great and then it kind of like gets a little cloudy towards the bottom there so they could easily sneak in the raiders i think that they could sneak into a spot too i think this is a really big week against cleveland if they can win then they're establishing themselves as one of those bigger teams that hey we can compete um but Again, it's that cloudy area where I'm like, I don't, I don't know what I can get. Um, third AFC team. I have the Dolphins as a fringe playoff team. I mean, if Tua pans out, they could go nine and seven. I mean, they're three and three right now. That division, I don't think they'll win that division. There's a lot of people saying that they could win that division. I don't think that's going to happen. But I mean, that's a, that's a good football team. They have a future. They have they have a roadmap for what they want to do. If they make the playoffs, that's awesome. If they don't, who cares? Like, I don't think that they were expecting to be this good um, going to this season. So Miami, and then two NFC teams. I have Carolina. I know they lost last night, but they they were looking good um, up until last night. And last night, I mean, I think the Teddy Bridgewater injury for half of the third quarter kind of scared Carolina. So Carolina started to play a little light with it. Um, also, those are divisional games. You guys know how I feel about divisional games. A lot of the time, you're going to drop a divisional game to an opponent you probably shouldn't lose. Um, I just talked really fast there. <laughs> but um, so yeah, divisional games, you're going to drop like Jacksonville beat Indianapolis. So just things are going to happen. And then San Francisco, I have as a fringe playoff team. The reason I have San Francisco as a fringe playoff team is, again, just because of how many NFC teams there are that are great, especially within their own division. Um, the three and three right now, I think they're good. I think that they have issues with the quarterback position. They, uh, their running back core reminds me of the Rams. where like, you don't know who's going to do anything. You don't know who's going to do what. So that confuses me. Um, Debo Samuel is seeming to be injury prone. Uh, Brandon Ayuk looks great. I mean, obviously they have Kittles. So they have the weapons. I think they need another quarterback though. That's what I, uh, that for me, that's what's holding them back from like a for sure playoff team. Now we go into the playoff tiers. I got Cleveland. Um, I know they're five and two. I know it's Cleveland. 
I know their two losses are Baltimore and Pittsburgh, and all their wins have kind of come against teams that you should beat. Um, but I think one of the things that kind of helped Cleveland, sadly, is the OBJ injury. Baker's just a better quarterback without OBJ. Um, I think they're definitely going to rely more on the run game, especially when Chubb comes back. They play Oakland this or they play Las Vegas this week. They have their bye week, and then they get Chubb back. So I think that's going to be huge for their team, um, and especially with the addition of the seventh seed in the playoffs, I think they can easily squeak in there. Um, yeah, I kind of like Cleveland this year, but it all depends on how Baker Mayfield is able to limit his turnovers for the season. Uh, next playoff team, we have Chicago. Again, I could, I, I'm not going to put them in the contender tier because we saw what they are when they played the Rams. They are a limited football team. They are. This is almost the exact Bears team that we saw two seasons ago when they I think they went like 10 and 6 but it was all because of their defense that's exactly what we're seeing this year um they David Montgomery was a great draft pick but he has not panned out for them at all I think they might need to look to getting another running back I mean he just doesn't run the ball well um the Tariq Cohen injury definitely affected them too because they really like to use him in the past game their defense is great but I have questions about their offense even with Nick Foles um, so yeah, that's why they're, I think they still make the playoffs, but I don't, I don't, they're not contenders. Uh, the bills again, I'm not going to put them in the contender category because the AFC is so top heavy. I mean, there are four teams in the AFC that can easily be contenders. And I just don't think, I don't think that the bills fall into that yet. I think next season they possibly could, but Josh Allen is starting to, He's not deteriorating, but like he's he's looking like a third year quarterback. Like obviously he's not. You have a lot of these quarterbacks who like Mahomes and Lamar who win the MVP in their second season. I think that's what people were kind of expecting from Josh Allen. I don't think it's going to happen this year. Um, it looked like at the beginning of the season, but he's starting slowly starting to fall off. But he's learning. That's the thing. He's a young quarterback. Buffalo was not. They did not have Super Bowl hopes this year. They had playoff hopes, which I think they're definitely going to make the playoffs because of that division. Um, but you know what? That's fine. They're learning. They're growing. They're going to get a draft pick. They're going to use free agency. They're going to be a bit. They're going to be fine. Uh, next team, the Saints. The Buccaneers are just, we'll talk about them in a second. They're so good. The Saints are not going to win that division. Again, with the seventh seed, they're going to make the playoffs for sure. Just probably as like a five, six, seven seed. So I don't really need to talk much about that. The Rams. Um, yeah, I think I think the Rams are a playoff team. I, I love the coaching. I love the execution. Their defense has really stepped up. I love their new defensive coordinator. Um, so yeah, I think the Rams are a great team. I I I don't I see a little bit of question marks, especially because like they don't have an established runner, which I know it's kind of, it definitely does help their scheme when the defense doesn't know which running back to plan for. But uh, it is nice to have like an elite level running back. Jared Goff is a good quarterback. He's not great. Uh, he's good enough to get you to a Super Bowl. Obviously, we've seen that. Uh, that defense, I already touched on them. They're great. So, yeah, I think they're going to make the playoffs. Don't really see them as a contender for the NFC, though. Now we get into our contenders. I have three NFC and one AFC. So the one AFC is Tennessee. I think Tennessee is definitely a contender in the AFC. I think they can. If I think there's definitely a possibility that they get to the AFC championship. I just don't know if they can win the AFC championship. Uh, we saw this against Pittsburgh last week. They got down early and they when they get down they can't rely on Derrick Henry and obviously and and, uh, honestly if I had a minor stroke there honestly if that A.J. Brown 75-yard touchdown doesn't happen that's what shifted the momentum if that play doesn't happen they likely do not close and close that gap how it got closed last season so Tennessee needs to fix that I still think that they are competitive Um, they are one of those teams that can come back we saw it happen against Houston 
Um, they, they didn't need that one play touchdown they got against Pittsburgh. I think that if they're going to beat those better defenses, you're going to need those one play touchdowns, but you can't rely on them because you're not for sure going to get those. Um, they rely on Derrick Henry a little too much. I like Ryan Tannehill still. He had a bad game. Every quarterback has a bad game. That's just how it works. But they can definitely, they can, you can make a case for them winning the AFC and maybe maybe getting to the Super Bowl. Um, first NFC team, Green Bay. I, I don't have them as a Super Bowl team, mainly because the one... There's one NFC team I just think is unbelievable. Um, I think Green Bay has, they have taken another step forward. Uh, the Aaron Jones injury is kind of, it's tempered expectations for the past couple of weeks. I mean, yeah, he's one of the best running backs in the league right now, but people, I don't know. I They have great backups, so that really shouldn't affect it. We obviously saw last week against Houston. It didn't really affect them that much. Aaron Rodgers is playing some of the best football he's ever played. That defense is looking good. They still need a number two wide receiver, and I I still am kind of worried about Devontae Adams just because he gets hurt so often. I really liked the trade rumors for Will Fuller. I think that they should go after Amari Cooper. I think it would be a great number two. But uh, unless they make – I think that they are one weapon away from being Super Bowl winners and contenders for the Super Bowl, not for the division. Next NFC team. I have the Arizona Cardinals. I was high on them at the beginning of the season. I did not expect them to be this good. I picked them last week. Shout out to you guys for being my upset of the week. I got so much shit for that. Thank you guys. Uh, I had faith in you guys the entire way along. Kyler Murray, he does not throw the ball a lot, but when he does, he drops 300 yards. He is, an, he is a great quarterback. I think he is what Lamar wants to be. Lamar doesn't throw the ball, but Kyler does. Kyler... With DeAndre Hopkins and either Chase Edmonds or Kenyon Drake, doesn't really matter which one, they're going to be fine. The defense I have a little bit of issues with. They're definitely developing. Buda Baker is looking like one of the best safeties in the league, but I like I like Arizona. I think that they could definitely make a case for getting to the NFC Championship next year, even if they're a wild card. They're not going to win that division. Oh, could they? That might be a hot take. No, and that's because the next team that I have is a contender, Seattle. Yes, I do not have Seattle as a Super Bowl contender. This is why. Their defense worries me. Now, I will say their acquisition of Geno Atkins, or Carlos Dunlap, sorry, was a huge, that was amazing. That That is great. And they're getting Jamal Adams back. But I want to see how they play first. I want to see how Seattle plays with these players. It's going to take a couple weeks to get adjusted. So I'm not going to judge it off of this week. I'm going to give them, <clears throat> I'm going to give them, <laughs> uh, I'm going to give them two weeks and then we'll see how they're playing. So if they, if they hold their next two opponents to like under 20 points, both games, then they will be Super Bowl contenders. Now let's get into Super Bowl. Um, I'm going to say the last team, the last two teams are going to be the two teams that I think will make it to the Super Bowl. So the first team that we have, we have Baltimore. I still think Baltimore is an elite team. Their acquisition of Yannick Ngakwe is huge for them. Um, they have a pretty good schedule for the rest of the season. I think this bye week is going to help them out a lot. Uh, I think Lamar Jackson definitely took this bye week and probably just sat on the criticism. I mean, one of the biggest things last season was like not bad for a running back, and he's been more of a running back than he has a quarterback this year. So it wouldn't surprise me if he took that next step forward, but I think we've seen the ceiling for Lamar Jackson. Um, like I said, I think he wants to be what Kyler Murray currently is, and that's why I think Kyler Murray is going to be one of the best quarterbacks in the next couple of years. I have him as my MVP pick for this season, which I'm not going to back out on. I think he still could win that. But, yeah, I, I though I have my concerns with their run game because they really don't have a running back right now, um, their defense is good. They – they're just fourth on my Super Bowl contenders. Um, third, I have Pittsburgh. Again, if Pittsburgh can just fix up their secondary and not blow these leads, Pittsburgh can honestly make a case for being one of the top two teams in the NFL. I know that they're the only undefeated team, but that doesn't mean everything. I mean, honestly, the Chiefs lose a divisional game to the Raiders, and people are putting Pittsburgh above the Chiefs. I don't think Pittsburgh could beat the Chiefs right now. Um, I think Big Ben will find his groove. I know we talked about it earlier. 
I think it's a good team. Just fix up the secondary and they can they could win the Super Bowl. Um, next team, Kansas City. They're my second favorite to win the Super Bowl. Do I need to talk about why? I mean, they literally just added Le'Veon Bell. They have the best quarterback that I've ever seen play football. As this young, I should say, um, their defense is just getting better. Their offense is just getting more explosive and more creative. So, yeah, they're definitely a Super Bowl uh, contender. Last team, I oh God, I did not expect this team to be this good. Tampa Bay. What? Like, I knew it was going to take a couple weeks. I thought, in my head, this was a 10-6 and team and the Saints win this division. It would not surprise me if Tampa Bay did not lose another game. And Tampa plays the Chiefs. Oh, God, this is going to be such a good game. Tampa Bay and the Chiefs, I'm, that's going to be prime time. Um, like, th this team could win out. They could. I mean, this team looks good. That defense is finding their groove. The acquisition of Antonio Brown, I don't care if Antonio Brown isn't the same Antonio Brown. He's going to draw double coverage, which is going to leave Chris Godwin or Mike Evans or Scotty Miller or Rob Gronkowski open or Leonard Fournette or Ronald Jones. Do I need to go on? Like, they are just stacked everywhere. Um, that defense is literally one of the five best defenses in the league. Their run defense is incredible. Their secondary, their rookie players have been developing extremely well. Um, yeah, I... Tampa Bay is going to be so hard to stop. They are going to be an absolute juggernaut in the NFC. They are the only NFC team I can see contending for Super Bowl right now. I, can, I can't I can see Seattle contending because they can't get – I don't think that uh, their defense will be able to keep up with Tampa Bay's offense. And honestly, I don't know how Seattle's defense – or offense will react to Tampa Bay's defense. We saw what that defense did to Green Bay, which is an elite-level offense. Who knows what that could be. Um, the only two teams that I think could beat Tampa Bay – are the Chiefs or the Steelers. And the only reason I put the Steelers in that category is because of the is because of Pittsburgh's um, pass rush. Brady's not mobile. You can't flush him out of the pocket. You're going to bring him down. That's the only thing I can think of. I don't think Pittsburgh could, but if I had to pick two teams to do it, it would be either the Chiefs or the Steelers. So those are my tiers for the NFL. Um, again, I don't like to do power rankings because like, there are so many teams that are like neck and neck within those. I think just putting them in tiers um, is just kind of like it just makes it more clear as to why i'm putting them there if you guys have any disagreements please let me know i'm curious what you guys have to say about this um anyway we got one leg left and that's of course the leg we always do we do wallet winners at the end of every single uh, episode so stick around for that how's it going buddy welcome back to the training camp podcast this is our last leg where we do our wallet winners if you guys didn't miss it in the previous legs we talked about the steelers and ben roethlisberger we talked about the jets and trevor Tre uh, and uh, trevor lawrence and then we also talked about my tiers and uh, nfl rankings for the nfl season as of week entering week eight so last leg we always do our wallet winners not gonna lie <laughs> i was almost perfect last week yeah honestly I should have picked Pittsburgh, but uh, I didn't because I, I I had my concerns with. You guys can watch why I had my concerns in the last episode, but uh, I went four and one. So yeah, I had a pretty freaking great week. Um, hoping I can re replicate this this week. Also, I got my upset right. I picked Arizona to beat Seattle. So yeah. Uh, so we're just gonna hop into our first ones. Of course, if you guys don't know, I do five picks. Four of them are are uh, just like which spreads I like, and I always have one upset of the week. I sometimes have more if I don't think it's really an upset. Like some, like last week I had two upsets, but I didn't think Washington was really should have been the underdogs in that game. So I always have my one upset, though, of the week. So first game, Las Vegas travels to Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I'm going to take two-and-a-half points. I think that's great. Um, I kind of briefly mentioned this in my tier ranking segment. Um, but Baker plays better. 
I never, it's never great for an injury to happen. Injuries are the worst thing in the, one of the worst things in the NFL. But when OBJ is not on the field, Baker is a better quarterback. We have seen this. And I think it's because Baker feels like he has to force the ball to OBJ whenever OBJ is on the field. Um, I mean, that rookie season for Baker, he, that second half, he was, he was, he was great. Um, I don't think he's going to be an elite-level quarterback. I think he's going to kind of fall into that Jared Goff-level area where he's a good quarterback. He can win you games. But I think the OBJ injury is going to open up this pass game for Baker. One of the reasons I like Cleveland in here, even though um, it is at home, but it's supposed to be raining, which means there's going to be a lot of running the football, which means Kareem Hunt is going to have a great game. Kareem Hunt, people forget how good of a running back he is, mainly because he's mostly a pass-based running back within Cleveland's offense. But when he was in uh, Kansas City... He was a top five running back. Kareem Hunt's gonna have a great game against Oakland. Um, I like Oakland's front seven, but I don't think it's as I don't think it's good enough to stop. You know, uh, obviously Cleveland made the acquisitions to get better offensive linemen, and this is Kareem Hunt. So I think with Kareem Hunt having a great run game, it's gonna open up the pass game. And I, I think two and a half points is too small. I mean, if you wanted to, you could take them winning by a field goal, but I think they win by more than that. Um, like I said, th- this is gonna be a run based game. I don't think Josh Jacobs has as much success as Kareem Hunt because I really like the defensive line for Cleveland. I think that's going to stop Josh Jacobs, and it's going to force Derek Carr to throw. Um, I will say Cleveland secondary is kind of an issue, which so if this spread doesn't happen, I can see it being Cleveland secondary, but I still, I'm really high on Cleveland for this game. I have them winning by a touchdown, so <laughs> you're giving me minus three. I'm, I'm taking seven points here, so uh, 31-24 Cleveland wins. Uh, second one. They're in every single week. I don't know if I'm superstitious or if I just like these spreads. Probably a little bit of both. Pittsburgh goes to Baltimore as three-and-a-half-point underdogs. Um, I'm going to take Pittsburgh three-and-a-half here. I'm not taking them odds. If I was taking them odds, this would be my upset of the week. Um, Baltimore needs this. I will say this. Baltimore needs this win more than Pittsburgh does. If Pittsburgh loses this, it's their first loss of the season, and they're second in their division because they lose to Baltimore. So, like, whoop freaking do Um but if Baltimore loses this, they are five and two. Um, they are second. They're two and a, they're two games behind in their division, and they're in a wild card race. And we've seen Baltimore in a wild card. They are not good, especially in the playoffs. They need this win more than Pittsburgh does. I will say, I have my concerns with Baltimore. Um, I don't know. <laughs> they don't have a running back right now. Uh, Lamar Jackson seems to be going back to his one dimension, where if you can force him to throw, they're going to lose games. Um, I will say one of the reasons I do like Baltimore in this is the acquisition of Yannick Ngakwe. If this is something that just goes for all NFL teams, if you can stop the run game and you're forcing a team to pass, you're making them uncomfortable, especially like Pittsburgh. Like I, I said this in the first segment. Like, yeah, Ben's throwing less. It's because the run game has had success. Um, if you can slow that run game down, you're forcing Ben to throw. I, I don't. It wouldn't surprise me if Ben torched, um, torched the Ravens secondary, but the Ravens secondary is elite. Like, so that's why I'm saying I wouldn't be surprised if it is because that's a Hall of Fame level quarterback. But if it, do, I don't think it'll happen. I really don't. I think Ben's going to probably throw 50 times in this game. I still think James Conner probably gets like 50 yards on the ground. But this is going to be a throw-heavy game. It's a close game. And let me tell you why. Baltimore is like one of the best kickers in the league. I think Baltimore is going to be down. They're going to drive. They're going to be down by two, one or two points. They're going to drive down. Put the game on the foot of Justin Tucker. He's gonna he's gonna nail it. It's how Justin Tucker works. That man can hit a 63, 64, 65, almost 67 yard field goal if he needed to. So yeah, I think Baltimore wins this, but very close, 31 to 30. Third game, uh, Chargers go to Denver. Chargers are only three point favorites. 
Um, I know Denver beat the Patriots. That was also a really bad Patriots team, so let's not get too high on Denver right now. Uh, they're still having injuries like Noah Fant, and uh, I think that at the, I mean Sutton's still out. I mean, I think he's out for the season actually, so that was um, definitely a big blow to their team. Their defense is not playing as well as it could, obviously, again, because of injury. Denver and Chargers, this is the game of injury-ridden teams. But uh, one of the things I'm doing here is I'm taking better quarterback. I think Justin Herbert, I mean, you've seen what he's done against – he he torched – the Tampa Bay defense, and that is a top five defense in the league. So yeah, he's going to have success against the Broncos defense. Um, even though they don't have Eckler, all the running backs have been filling in great for them. Keenan Allen's going to have a great game. Hunter Henry is another option that they have. Mike Williams is another option that they have. They have a great, they have a great offense. Their defense, though it has been riddled with injuries, Chargers defense can still hold this Denver offense. They really can. Uh, it's probably a top 15 defense in the league, even without Derwin James or Joey. Uh, is Joey Bosa back? No. Yes. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, they're going to be fine. Uh, I think the Chargers, I don't understand why it's only three points, unless Vegas really knows something we don't. I don't have this being close. I have uh, the Chargers winning 30 to 17. Okay. San Francisco goes to Seattle in an NFC West showdown. Uh, Seattle are two and a half point favorites. Okay, so the game is in Seattle. Seattle's coming off of a loss. Seattle just got a defensive tackle. Why Why is it only two and a half? Again, this is a game very similar to Cleveland where they could win the spread by a field goal. Why are you giving us two and a half here? Um, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be... He can't run the ball anymore with that acquisition of uh, Carlos Dunlap, so the running game won't be as great as it's been. You're forcing Jimmy Garoppolo to throw, and we saw in the Super Bowl what happens when you throw Super Bowl. What happens when you force Jimmy Garoppolo to throw? He's not an elite quarterback. I mean, honestly, he relies on the run game. Um, I think this is also just the fact that they're coming off of a divisional loss. They need this win. People are like, "Oh, the Seahawks lost to the Cardinals. Are the Cardinals greater? The Seahawks bad again?" Seahawks are—they're both great teams. Um, I'm still not as high on San Francisco as other people are yet, mainly just because of their defensive injuries. If they had a healthy defense, I'd probably be higher on them. But um, yeah, kind of similar to Baltimore. Seattle needs this win more than San Francisco does just because of their image. Um, San Francisco definitely needs this win to stay in the hunt, but there are other games down the season that they could win. So I have Seattle. Again, it's only two and a half, but I'm taking them by eight points, 28 to 20. And now for our upset of the week. Um, Indianapolis goes to Detroit. They go to, they, they are going to Detroit. Um, and Detroit is, is, is the underdogs here at plus 130. I can see why, just because, like, Indianapolis's defense has been really good up until recently. But if you look at the opponents that they have played, they haven't really played elite-level offenses. So it's kind of like, like... Okay, yes, they, they have been stopping offenses, but if you look at the offenses, like, okay, yeah, you should be stopping those offenses. But again, they have been beat by good, by not good offenses this season, too. Um, I think, you know, Den, uh, Detroit, they're 3-3. Three and three. Matt Patricia's on the hot seat. Matthew Stafford's going to start finding his rhythm. I think that Indianapolis's defense, they're... This is going to show that they are not one of those top five defenses. Um, they're probably like the 10th or 11th best defense in the league, which isn't anything to be ashamed of, but they're not as elite as people were expecting. Uh, again, Philip Rivers, his, his, he doesn't run. He, he can't get out of the pocket. Man, is I, he's literally an old man with a cane in the pocket. Like if, he, if you have to move him, he's not going to. He's either going down or he's throwing the ball. And since he can't get out of the pocket, that really limits them. Um, they don't really have any wide receiver weapons. I mean, they have Ty, Ty Hilton, T.Y. Hilton, but he, in the past two seasons, has like fallen off ever since Andrew Luck left. Um, I mean, 
who who are they going to throw the ball to? Moali Cox, they don't really play him. Jack Doyle, they, uh, I think he's hurt right now. Uh, Trey Burton has kind of looked good, but again, you can't rely on a tight end. Um, and he's not even like a George Kittle or a Travis Kelsey level tight end. So their offense worries me. Um, I think Detroit has also shown that they want to win. They, they kind of want to win now. They made trades for their defense. So yeah, I think that's going to help them out too. That's going to stop the run game a little bit. Jonathan Taylor will not have as many rush yards as we're expecting. They're probably just going to use Jonathan Taylor in the pass game. Um, so yeah, I, I can see why Detroit is the underdog here, but I do like Detroit to win this game upright 31 to 27. So just quick re- recap, I have Cleveland winning over Las Vegas 31-24. I have Baltimore beating Pittsburgh 31-30. to I have the Chargers beating Denver 30-17. to Seattle beating San Francisco 20-28. to And then Detroit beating Indianapolis 31-27. Curious what you guys have to say about my uh, wallet winners for this week. Um, also, if you guys have any comments about any other segments, you guys can please let me know. I love reading the comments. I love seeing what you guys have to think about, you know, just how everything's going in sports right now. If there's any topics you guys want me to talk about, please let me know by dropping a comment. If you guys are new, like the uh, video. If you're on YouTube, just help spread the word. If you're also new, subscribe. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts, hope you're enjoying the series so far. If you haven't listened to the other episodes, they're all available there as well. Same with YouTube. There will be a playlist in the description. You guys can check out all of our previous videos. But um, other than that, I think we're going to leave this video here. Thank you guys so much for watching, and I'll see you guys in the next episode.